0: This morning as we go to the book of Galatians chapter 3, we've been marching through Galatians and today we're really focusing on the work of the Spirit for the first time in this book, although the Spirit plays a prominent role in the book. It's Spirit first to last today. So we have expressed that the Spirit is welcome in this place and welcome right here to do His work, to send His Word, to teach us His truth to convict us of sin, to correct us where needed. So the Holy Spirit is welcome here. If the Holy Spirit is not welcome here, then we can't really worship. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 says, You foolish Galatians. I'm sure he spoke that with affection. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly... Portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? if it really was in vain. So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, Grace changes everything. Start to finish, it is spirit. I learned a lesson about finishing. When I was a boy, 16 years old, moved to a new school, wanted to pole vault, I told the track coach. He said, fine, my first track meet, he put me in the fast heat of the 800 meter. And I hadn't practiced or trained for it. Got in line and everybody's legs was as long as I was tall. I thought, this is probably isn't good news. The gun sounded, they all sprinted. I didn't know you were supposed to sprint at the first. They all sprinted, took off fast. I ran as fast as I could trying to keep up. They were breaking in at the hundred yard hundred meter mark. I didn't know that either. I broke in dead last and it just got worse all the way around. I realized I'd spent all my energy in the first hundred yards, and I was having a hard time breathing, and my legs were like lead. I made that first lap. I went around the back. I remember going on the back stretch, thinking I am going to die. And I got to the last turn, and I looked up there, and everybody had finished the race but me. The referee is standing at the finish line, swinging his whistle stands are saying things. So, I just quit. Seemed like the right solution at the time. And then I knew what it was to be the biggest loser. (laughs) Because the biggest loser is the guy that doesn't finish the race. You want to finish this race. And you want to finish it well. And here the Apostle is telling you how you can get to the finish line and do it well. Don't get sidetracked by the idea that it's your flesh, it's your strength, it's all up to you. Do not suppose that having started in grace, you're now going to finish in works, that having started in the spirit, you're now going to finish in the flesh. The beginning of the Christian life is all about God's grace, Him saving us by His Spirit, and the continued living of this life that you have appropriated through the death of Christ upon the cross. The continuing living of this life is all about you, living in grace, walking by faith, The Spirit of God carrying you along at work in your heart. Every day it is necessary for us to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I will not quench you. I will not fight you. I will not grieve you. I will seek to be yours in word and deed today. And so surrendering to the work of the Spirit And God's grace, trusting him, that is how we grow into Christ's likeness. And that's what the apostle is saying to them. He wants them to remember something. Retrieve your history, he's saying to them. Think back. We just had this memorial meal. It is a remembrance we've just enacted here and we've thought about Jesus crucified his broken body and his shed blood and it's important for us to remember week by week and month by month we do this on the first Sunday of every month we do communion we serve the Lord's Supper in order to systematically remind ourselves of all that Jesus did we do it in remembrance of him And the Apostle Paul is challenging them to remember Christ crucified, but also to remember how they came into Christ, how they started. Do you remember how you started in Christ? I talked to a couple in the Bible study time, the small group time, and each of them said, we had the gift of a Christian family. I hope you treasure and know what a gift it is to have parents who love the Lord Jesus and have passed on to you a a love for the scriptures and a love for Christ. It is a gift. That's a grace gift. You start in grace. It's not something we earn. This family we are born into where we learn about Jesus and his love for us. It is a grace gift. And I know that's not everybody's story, but you go back to your story and you think about how you started in Christ. And you will discover as you think about it that it wasn't you performing moral or religious works that initiated your walk with Christ, that brought you into the kingdom. Initially, you came probably feeling very bad about yourself. You were probably under conviction about your sin. And you were repenting of your sin and saying to God, I'm sorry for my sin and I know that I'm a sinner. And you were calling out for God's grace and his forgiveness. That's where we begin this walk. (coughs) Retrieve your history. Think about it. How did you start? The way you started in Christ is the way you continue in Christ. Continuing to acknowledge your sinfulness, repent and confess, receive His forgiveness, and living every day in the grace of the Lord Jesus, trusting Him for His forgiveness today and for His companionship and His strength. This is how we live the Christian life, the Apostle's saying. And if you're feeling weak, if you stumbled along the way, if you've gotten confused, if you're not sure what to do next, if you're having questions about the faith, I've got a place for you to look. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. There are many portraits of Jesus that could come into your mind when you read about Jesus Portrayed. I did a series of sermons on portraits of Jesus. Jesus gathering the children into his lap. Jesus healing the blind man. Jesus healing the lame man. Jesus standing in the bow of the boat as he calms the storm. Jesus feeding the 5,000. Jesus ascending into the clouds. All these wonderful portraits of Jesus, do you have a favorite portrait? Portraits are usually special pictures of somebody's life. I've got some portraits for you today that I think are striking and maybe even stunning. Don't you like this portrait? This is is a beautiful photograph, isn't it? It's a beautiful photograph. I have another one. This one isn't beautiful, I would say, but it's interesting. It's rich. It's a great portrait. Here's another one that's famous. You've seen this one before, right? Right? Maybe this was Cary Grant's favorite picture of himself. I don't know. Let me show you one more portrait. Jesus executed is how Paul portrayed him to the Galatians. And not just there. He went to Corinth, and he said to them, I knew nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm staggering a little. I'm surprised, even startled. If I'm new to the faith, to Christianity, I look at this portrait of Jesus, and I say, why? Why among all the beautiful portraits you could make, the beautiful pictures you could present, the mighty deeds that he did, the loving acts he performed, why this one? Clearly portrayed as crucified. Why here? You need to be able to answer this question. As a follower of Jesus, you need to be able to Describe why this portrait instead of others. In Jesus, we have the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Do you know the Bible says that? In Jesus, we have grace and truth. In Jesus, we have the splendor of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. That's what we have in Jesus. And among all the portraits that might be flung on the screen to describe the character of our great and awesome God, there is one that rise above all the rest, and it is Jesus portrayed as crucified. Here we gather with the ladies, the women at the cross and the disciples. We look up and we ask the question, "God, what are you saying about yourself, about me? What is here revealed? What do I learn at the foot of the cross? The writer of Hebrews says, look, are you having a hard time? i got a place for you to go. I want you to remember as you live your Christian life out there at the university or at the hospital or in the business where you work, I want you to remember there's a great cloud of witnesses surrounding you. So I want you to lay aside every weight, the sin that so easily besets you, run with patience, the race that is set before you, looking unto Jesus, he says the author and perfecter of your faith, the bookends of your faith and everything in between, just like he described it here. We started in the Spirit, we're staying with the Spirit. You finish like you start, trusting in Jesus, living in grace. But the writer of Hebrews says, there's a spot where I want you to look when you stumble, when you fall, when you're tired, when you're weary, when you're upset, when you're confused, when people attack you, when you're hurt unjustly. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Yeah. There's more strength and power and wisdom here in Jesus portrayed as crucified than any other portrait in his life. Just this week, I've had two instances where people said to me, if God is so good and he is all-powerful, why do bad things happen? People who relate, children have died. And people can't deal with the question of loss. The problem of evil is so perplexing in the world. The philosophers and the theologians work on it just like you do. You work on the question, of bad things happening and maybe you're one of those people sitting in the pew and you feel like nothing bad really has ever happened to you it's coming all right you're going to know pain deeper than you ever imagined you would it's coming to you you're going to know loss you're going to hurt I was in the middle of writing, your pain is changing you, when I experienced the greatest pain of my life, baby grams near death. I was in the ICU for 11 days, wondering, God, what are you up to and what's happened to my little grandson? You say, well, how do you deal with bad things happening to people? If God loves us so much, why do these bad things happen? And we do not have a formula that God gives us in the Bible. He doesn't give us a pat answer. What God does is he clearly portrays Jesus as crucified. Who hurt more than him when they crushed the crown of thorns upon his head, and they drove the nails through his feet and his hands, and they hung him up to die? This is God's answer to the question of your heart. Why do bad things happen in this world? And his answer is not a formula. His answer is Jesus, perfect Lamb of God, who knew no sin, had earned no penalty. Not one stripe did he earn or deserve. And he died in pain upon the cross. And as he did, he spread his arms and gathered up the pain of the world. And it went with him into his death. This is God's answer to the question of evil in the world, the surrender of his one and only son in love for you and me. This is why Christ portrayed as crucified is the centerpiece. It's where all eyes look in the New Testament. You are inevitably drawn to Jesus as he dies. They hurry through so much of his life as they tell the story, and then they get to the last seven days. And every one of the gospel writers slows down and begins to take it day by day, event by event, and then hour by hour, and then conversation by conversation until he dies. We gather here to learn who God is. God, do you love me? Look to Jesus, he says. God, can I go on? Look to Jesus, he says. Christ portrayed as crucified is the way you come in to life with God. And it's the way that you remain. It's the way that you move. It's your journey. And you are crucified with him. Receive this message, okay? Okay believe it you are crucified with him he has died for you upon the cross the wonder of Abraham's covenant is that all people who have faith in God who trust in God God brings them along through faith Abraham was made righteous through faith he's the old covenant God. even Abraham was made righteous not because of what he did But because he believed, he believed, and God accounted that as righteousness. God wants you to believe the message you have heard. He reminds the Galatians, were you justified by the works of the law or by believing in what you heard? And the answer is clear. We believed what we heard. Believe what you hear. God loves you. He sent his only son in a design that he initiated at the beginning of time to rescue you from your sin, to communicate to you his love. And Jesus portrayed as crucified is God's great climactic message of the extent of his love and the greatness of his holiness that The death of Christ upon the cross is both the message of how much God loves you and how sinful sin really is. Receive the promise God has for you, it comes through faith in Christ. Just as Abraham received the promise through faith, what is the promise? God said, I'm going to be with you. That's the promise. God himself was the promise made unto Abraham. Through you, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Here we are, assembled. People who have trusted in Jesus as Savior from the nations of the earth. Abraham's covenant coming true through the church of Jesus Christ, people who are trusting in Christ, believing in him, saved by grace through faith. Scripture says here, cursed is everyone who hangs on a pole. The old Bible says hangs on a tree. You are cursed under the law because you cannot keep the law. You know this, right? You cannot keep the law. You got to keep the whole law. Every part of it. If you're a law keeper, you got to keep it all. You can't do it. You can't even keep that select list you have in your brain of the most heinous crimes, the most terrible sins. Even the things you instruct your children to do, you fail to do yourself. You realize you're a lawbreaker, right? You've got it. The law brings a curse to you. That's what it does. It doesn't bring life. It brings a curse. The list of commandments, you stand condemned before them. Jesus was cursed on your behalf. He was cursed as he hung upon the tree because he carried all your sin. You are cursed under the law and Jesus was cursed for you. He paid your sin debt when he died. So it is Christ portrayed as crucified, which is your deliverance. And you can be set free From the law of sin and death, the yoke can be removed, and you can experience liberty that only the Son of God can give you as you trust Him and receive by faith the promise. Bow with me, please. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to follow the prompting of your spirit in this moment. We want to act on what faith says, what the Spirit says. Help us do it, whether it's an internal movement of the heart or a step down this aisle, confessing our sin, trusting Christ as Savior. Lord, we want to do it. Help us to act. According to faith, in response to your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.